The views expressed on the following program of those of its hosts and participants and no way reflect those of the staff or management of WNRI. Hour two. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. It's time for the John DePietro Show here on News Talk WNRI 1380 AM and 99.9 and 95.1 FM. He's a special kind of sentinel. Mr. DePietro, who is in the eye of the storm. Suddenly, John DePietro became the story. Radio talk show host John DePietro. All right, here we go, folks. Welcome to lunchtime. Good afternoon on this Monday. It's Political Monday. Good morning, Linda. Good afternoon there. This is Madonna and a lot more of the Facebook Live Pro folks. This uh, portion of the John DePietro Show. Remember, you can always listen online at DePietro.com. Just click on Listen Live. You can also listen to podcasts there if you ever miss the show. This portion of our program is brought to you by Henry Oil. Since 1947, call them today. They want to be your local oil provider. Call Henry Oil today, 521-0200, 521-0200, Henry Oil. Full service, fuel company, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery, 24-hour burner service, oil burner service and installation, automatic delivery, lock and cap pricing, serving most of Rhode Island and southeastern Mass. Online at henryoil.com. Call Henry Oil today, 521-0200. It's uh, Monday, which means it's Political Monday. He joins us. He is the managing editor for OceanStateCurrent.com. Let's say good afternoon to our friend, Justin Katz. Good afternoon, Justin. Good afternoon, John. Great to be with you. Justin, I want to obviously uh, start off. Very eventful week last week uh, with the convention center, what's been going on there, the speaker's involvement. Uh, Thursday, that was that was uh, very rare what took place on Thursday and Friday of last week. Someone who has been silent on this whole matter is Governor Amundo. But what we saw it took place on Thursday and Friday was on Thursday morning, House Minority Leader Blake Filippi, who is, I think, been tremendous in this. And he, that was uh, just all the buzz in political circles that somebody finally stood up to Mattiello. But he launched that he was suing the speaker. They were going to take him to court Thursday at 2 o'clock. Mattiello, very rare situation where the speaker, the most powerful, backed down and immediately dropped this business of the audit. And then late Friday afternoon, the convention center authority confirmed to everyone that they are requesting the state police investigate the actions of this situation with the convention center. We're going to get to the, the element about Ramundo. We're also going to get to the part of uh, that Providence Journal editorial this morning, which uh, I don't remember the last time I've seen something like that, where they are just completely tone deaf to the situation. And there's speculation, like, who really wrote that op-ed? It's very, very disturbing. But um, just your, I want to hear your thoughts and observations of how this thing played out last week. Well, um, I, th- I think the, to, to some extent we've hit a, a sore spot to a lot of people around Rhode Island. I mean, if you've been involved with government or policy or politics in Rhode Island for any length of time, you're very likely to have come into contact with somebody who suspects that they've been audited for speaking up at some some political event or, or going to some hearing or something like that. So it is a one of those scary things that looms out there on the edge. I mean, even President Obama once made a joke about auditing somebody who didn't agree with him. So it, it, I think already you're on a, a kind of classic corruption narrative there. I think to me, though, a lot of the problem we have, and you mentioned, allude to with the Providence Journal's editorial and um, Blake Filippi suing at the same time, that's kind of aligned with the governor. And you've got Patricia Morgan, who's still pretty prominent among you know, conservatives in the state, taking a, a different a different 
more like the Providence Journal's uh, approach. I, I, it's almost like the, the corruption is just so thick in Rhode Island that the good government people kind of can't help but trip over each other uh, as these things go forward. So that, to me, has been the impression. I, I find I, I don't know why everybody can't be right. I mean, yes, definitely the convention center should be audited. And yes, uh, per Philippi's complaint, the JCLS should do things in an orderly, organized, open fashion. But, and, uh, you know, of course, we, we want some agency looking into the convention center. Uh, we also need somebody to check whether the auditing is being used as a political weapon. I, I, guess, I guess my overall impression is I don't know why this has to be so hard. Everybody can be right. The problem is it's so corrupt. There's so many instances of, of self dealing in Rhode Island and helping out your friends that you just get to where you can't even do an obvious good thing. So now if, if the state police investigates Mattiello, can we really even trust that that's, that that's uh, not a political action on behalf of the governor, you know, given a lot of what we've seen in the past five years? So we were just it, – it's really – this kind of relatively small event has brought out a lot of the problems I think we have for trusting in Rhode Island government. I, I agree with that. It is very significant, though – with um, you always hear about retribution that the speaker can um, use his authority on and and unwielding and, and real uh, strong arm tactics with many ways. But th- this is the first time that I can recall that someone is is actually asking the state police to investigate um, and, and it also comes under the nature of, I, I just, I don't buy the talking points. You're right. You know, why can't everyone be right? Uh, but they have resurrected Patricia Morgan. She's had this weird relationship with Frank Montanaro. When he had the whole scandal with the not paying the college tuition, she, she wouldn't issue anything. She's friendly with him in some way, or they have some kind of relationship in some way. And I'm not intimating anything. Uh, there's some kind of political alliance there. I, I don't know exactly what everything that's at the bottom of this. But – and we'll get to the journal part. But I, I, I – from what I am told, Mattiello, Speaker Mattiello's people, they, they are very nervous because this one – this does seem clear-cut. Um, it's, it's some form of political extortion. And Brandon Bell – and I want to read the statue. He tweeted this out. And where Mattiello and Montanaro and, and, and uh, Justin, you can imagine, they, they don't feel like that they, they don't want any type of situation where you're Mattiello, Montanaro, or any of their friends and so forth. They, they don't want any type of situation where they have to, you know, sit down with the state police, answer questions, um, anything, you know, remotely re- close to that. It's, it's bad for business. It's bad for business all the all the way around. But Brandon Bell, um, who basically acts as the attorney for uh, the Republican Party, he tweeted out, and I think this is this is really significant, but he tweeted out exactly what's involved. Um, and here's what it says. Any person being an elected or appointed official or employee of the state or any of their political subdivision of the state or any city or town of the state representing himself or herself to be assuming to act as an official employee who under color or pretense of office commits or attempts to commit an act of extortion shall be convicted, be imprisoned, term no more than 15 years or fine no more than 25 and therefore forfeit uh, un- unjust enrichment. I- I'm going to go back to, you know, th- they got 
Al Capone on tax evasion. They got Cianci on one count of RICO extortion. If anyone that pays attention to this, the guy Demers, who's a Mattiello pal, crony, son has the job with him, which I find also very questionable. The convention center, the week of December 16th, put out feelers to Mattiello to let him know that his pal, Demers, is in trouble with his job and most likely going to be suspended, probably ultimately fired, even though he hasn't been fired yet. Mattiello reacts with, if that happens, there will be consequences. They suspend his pal Jim Demers, and then boom, on December 23rd, when nothing gets done, they issue out of nowhere an audit. There wasn't as if they had been requesting information. There wasn't anything of like, hey, you know, what's going on over there? Out of nowhere, out of the blue, boom, they issue it. There's several conversations. They put it in motion. And a couple things about this. Mattiello initially, his talking point was Justin Katz. Well, I received information, which I think actually came from Demers, but that's neither here nor there. I received information that warranted an audit. And there were some things wrong there, and we want to get to the bottom of it, and blah, blah, blah. If that is the case, number one, why would you then cancel the audit? Because it sounds like you're on, on firm, you know, legal ground and footing. This, this to me, is enough to muddy the water. Where the Mattiello, his team, they're very concerned about this. And I think it is rare that the convention center people, the board, stepped in and said, we're not going to be, you know, bullied in this way. And, and Mattiello, by all accounts, he, he has backed down. And I, I come back to, if it was so important to him that he had information that on December 23rd he requested the audit, why would anything change and why would he withdraw the request for the audit? Well, it's definitely a good question we, sh- we should get to the bottom of through this process, however it unfolds. I, I would note, I mean... <laughs> we did get to the bottom of it, though. Like, what do you, no, we, I, we I, did get to the bottom of it. He withdrew, the, he withdrew when Blake was suing him. And then his answer is, he, we have got to the bottom of it. Mattiello said, well, if people don't want to have it, then I guess we just won't have it. So we, we did get to the bottom of it. It doesn't make any sense, though. That's the, that's the problem. Right, no, no, but, but through some process of, uh, of investigation, we can actually find out if, if there is some kind of document he's referring to or if that was complete malarkey, to use a, a phrase that's coming back in the fat favor. Um, I, but I, I, I think the thing that jumps out at me here is that the, uh, as you say, this is kind of a rare circumstance. And, and in some ways, I have to suggest it's, it's rare because this is what what it looks like when there's some political balance in government. I mean, a convention center authority, I wouldn't uh, I mean, I wouldn't say that they're they're probably on such strong legal grounds that they they went ahead with it. More more likely is that they they know and have been affirmed that there there is political backing on both sides of this issue now backing to go after Mattiello backing to assert what they think is the correct path according to what they've said and so that's that's what we're seeing and that's that's healthy I think and as you say I mean if even if there is some kind of an allegiance or something between somebody like Patricia Morgan and Montanaro to some extent that's how politics is supposed to work and so I, so we're, we're not only are we getting a good sense of a lot of the problems of how Rhode Island runs. I mean, it's almost uh, you almost have to, to the extent that you have sympathy for people getting caught on this thing in Rhode Island or something like this. It's because it, you feel like everybody's got to have something similar they could be caught on. It's just a matter of the political winds lined up against them, and that's what we ought to encourage and we ought to try to have a divided 
government more often um, and people who, who oppose each other in a governorship and in the legislature so that you have that continual opportunity for people to be going after each other's weak points and special deals. And so I, I think, I mean, I, you know, as I said, started out by saying, if you've been paying attention in Rhode Island for a while, you know people who, who strongly suspect they've been audited or had some, some kind of a, uh, a review of their fire code at their business or something like that because they said the wrong thing in a political meeting or in a public meeting. And so it doesn't surprise me at all that, that that's central in this is the prob- possibility that that's what's going on. Um, but I, so I, I, I do think we're, we're, we're seeing Rhode Island corruption pretty up close here, and it connects to a lot of interesting angles, and it also has the benefit of, of pointing the way to how we can, on a, on a systematic basis, improve government around here. What do you think of the Providence Journal editorial in today's paper, Convention Center Should Be Audited? Well, you know, I, I think that's, uh, they skip over a lot, of, a lot of points that are kind of important, as we've been discussing. You know, it should be audited. There's, there's no doubt about it, but it should be audited in a way that's kind of clear and, and doesn't have clouds around it. And I, I'm pretty sure last time we, we discussed this, the, the executive branch is already auditing the authority. So to, to kind of take sides in the, in the way that the editorial did seem, seemed like there, there must be something not being said there that, that ought to be said. Well... Uh, what I find about the Providence Journal editorial is this: this was, this were people that they let's say they went out of their way in 2014 to go after CNC with countless editorials that you can't allow a criminal, and he was convicted of running a criminal enterprise to return to City Hall. It's odd to me. Obviously, the Providence Journal editorial board they have some kind of. Um, relationship, affiliation, but certainly almost tone-deaf, blind support to Speaker Mattiello. Now, on Twitter this morning, the Republicans, from Mike Chippendale to Brian Newberry uh, to Blake Philippi, are all taking issue with this. And I find it preposterous for the Providence Journal to intimate that there's partisan politics involved with the convention center. I mean, it, it also comes down to it can get frustrating when there are people that they refuse to acknowledge what everyone else knows and is obvious, such as, and I'll go to the CNC thing. I mean, there were people that kept just repeating these talking points of CNC loved the city, he did so much for the city, blah, 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 and they would ignore the fact that it was basically a pay-to-play operation. If you wanted anything done in the city, it was pay-to-play. What I find so troubling about this editorial, Justin Katz, is these are the talking points written about Speaker Mattia, from Speaker Mattiello's camp. Now, you're someone that, because of your dealing with OceanStateGuard.com and your involvement also politically, you can cipher out and, and determine when someone is, is basically just regurgitating, you know, and so many times we talk about it, like some of the union talking points, right, that Pat Crowley wrote or someone else wrote, and they're just repeating them back. What, what the journal has done is an editorial. These are like the Mattiello talking points, which is, is just amazing to me to try to somehow, I mean, for once, the Republicans at the State House, led by Blake Filippi, have a show of solidarity, stand up. And say we're not going to be pushed around by this guy, this criminal enterprise that they're running. And the journal, 
takes issue with it. Um, according to the convention center, they have been doing audits. And even if you, you know, this whole business of whether or not it should be an audited, to me, it's it's almost like someone questioning whether or not someone should go to the doctor. It, it's Anyone listening would be like, oh, of course you should be audited, but you don't even take into account whether or not there have been audits. But that's not it. It's There is a process that if Matty Yellow actually wanted this, he's supposed to go through. And he didn't follow that process. So this business of whether or not it should be audited, to me, it's it almost reeks of, you know, should the police, if they suspect someone might be under the influence, should they stop them and do a DUI? Well, anyone that's asked that would be like, yeah, of course they would. But what if you found out that the police kept stopping, you know, a city council person that was standing up and calling for reform and uncovering things? Or, you know, the way we've seen Ken Block face retaliation and Warwick from the, the fire department and then some of these other things that happen. And, and um, that's when then I, I, I don't know enough about the audit, but I do know the way this one came down. I, I, I find it very troubling that in this particular situation where anyone in the know knows exactly what was going on behind the scenes here, and then for the Journal and Acorn to step forth and try to point the finger at like the Republicans are playing partisan politics, I, I don't remember such a tone-deaf editorial. Well, I, yeah, I mean, it was pretty shocking that there wasn't a, wasn't much a, or any real sense of a, a but. I mean, you can even if you came down on one side or the other on, on who's acting more out of political opportunism here, even if even if you were trying to play the middle, there would be a but. You know, yes, this, but that. That was that that was kind of worrisome in the editorial. And and I, I think the the point about the partisan politics, you know, to even even putting even if there's 100 percent partisan politics, I mean that's what we need. I mean it's 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 sort of and I I think gets to your point. It sounds like talking points. If you're thinking about how government should work the proper way, you want parties that are going after each other and have an incentive to catch each other doing anything bad they do. That way they don't do as much bad. But to, to attack them for doing fulfilling that role, I thought, I agree, that it was, it was tone deaf, and it, did, it, did, it, it does give the sense that they're, they're taking a position. They're saying, this is, this is the side I'm on, and I'm going to articulate the... The, the strongest or the, or the most compelling case for this side, ignoring any other contrary arguments, and that that's unusual, I think, for an, for an editorial. It, it, but you do you do see it from time time to time time on on fashionable issues like you know climate change or what have you. But I think the it's the the personal, very local and specific nature of this issue that that does highlight it as, as something unique. I'm, I'm not denying that there aren't partisan politics going on, but the Republicans are hardly the ones at the state house that are enforcing it. Governor Raimondo won't acknowledge a Republican. Um, you know, they just kind of kicked off to the side. One thing that Mattiello has done is at least given the Republicans a feel, or he did in the past, that, that some kind of voice, you know, you'd hear Trillo and some of the others saying, at least with him, Gordon Fox, no one would listen to them, at least, you know, blah, blah, blah. But uh, for the journal to come out in this way, because I, I think they're going to be on the wrong side of this. I, I They obviously don't understand what went down here, what's happening, and that the state police will find things. You know, that, that that's my understanding. And again, I come back to this isn't the first time there's been kind of like a bump in the road under Speaker Mattiello. We could go through the laundry list of the fact it begins with him getting up on election night saying, you know, I actually won by 500 mail ballot uh, mail ballots. And then, you know, he, he beat Frias in 2016 by 
by 85. And then, you know, Britt is on trial with a felony of money laundering. Mattiello said he didn't know anything about that. You had the Frank Montanaro with the tuition. He didn't know anything about that. I mean, he's always like this Sergeant Schultz defense. Um, I do want to move on, though, folks. Um, with me is Joy, uh, uh, excuse me, Justin Katz, managing editor, OceanStateCurrent.com. Justin, this article that was in the paper last week, too many teachers' absences of the war chief. Superintendent Phil Thornton says the work schools have a teacher absentee problem, and he wants to do something about it. Two schools, chronic absentee rate of 25%, 23%, which is defined as teachers are missing 18 days or more out of 180 school year. What I found interesting about this is, number one, this is the same union as Providence. So it's the American Federation of Teachers, led by, in New York, Randy Weingarten, NEA Rhode Island is the Bob Walsh one. But this is the same as Providence. But what comes out here is, the work teachers get 90 sick days, and they immediately, when we're talking about talking points, they immediately start attacking the data, and that's not it, and they put out this notion of, oh, that's because they don't have TDI, and they actually have to buy the sick days, and, oh, no, he's wrong, Thornton has the wrong information, and no point is it addressed that there's obviously a major problem that someone, you know, I went into the teacher's contract. This business of they have to buy the sick days, they get a certain number of sick days. It's, I think it's between 8 and 10. Never mind, they get bereavement leave, vacations. But then if you go above that, they have some kind of quotient where at the end of the year, you don't actually buy it. It's just actually deducted from pay or that type of thing. But obviously, it's not stopping enough people and they bank them. But all this talk about education, and this story comes out, and there is silence on Smith, you know, this isn't followed by the governor agrees this needs to be stopped. The mayor doesn't weigh in. It is it is just accepted that these people, these places are treated like basically very expensive daycare. Yeah, my favorite from the union president uh, was talking about how the, the problem is that the teachers can't retire with their full pension until 67. And when you have to work that long. You, you, you're going to be out sick, sick more often. I mean, to anybody in the private sector listening to that knows knows what a what a joke that is to tell people who, who may not get to retire, but certainly 65 is not is not you know the end of your life to be retiring. Hardly. I mean, and I, it's comments like that that I mean, if we're talking about how our political class is out of touch, that's definitely definitely one of them. But I think the, what, what interests me here again is a lot of the, the process of it and what it says about our our political uh, po- the way we do government and politics in Rhode Island. I mean, here you have a metric. The reason that the superintendent brought this up is because the state uses teacher absentee as part of their metric for grading schools. So that puts a focus on this particular issue. He brings it up in a school committee meeting, which he has to do because we we want open government, right? We want to know when the school committee is hearing something of importance from the superintendent. So he brings it up, and that makes it news, uh, some carried across the country. It makes it a political fight with the union, which breaks out all these talking points. Uh, it starts to make everybody un- uncomfortable in, a, in the political world. Um, simply by saying, hey, this is a problem we have, and we need to address it. And it shows a problem in our, just the way we do business, because what's going to happen here, you, you, you see an example in a small way if this is how they keep reform from happening, because every time you bring, well, what about this particular thing that looks pretty bad? Oh, everybody starts shouting and, and 
making a big noise. Okay, we'll put that aside. Nobody on Smith Hill is going to touch it. Nobody locally who wants to, to run for office is going to touch it. And so it kind of gets swept under the rug because there's no there's no consequence. And that's, that's really a, a problem we have to resolve. And it has to start with, with people having a little bit of backbone and, and going up against the union to say, yeah, this is, this is a problem and we are going to solve this problem. I think about that. 180 days. You're talking about... And I've looked at a lot of these contracts, and as you say, there's there's not only this, there's bereavement leave, there's this other leave, there's leave for this thing, the other thing. If you're the union president, you get two days off every week. All of this stuff adds up. So we're talking about 18 days out of 180 that you actually work. This isn't, this isn't you know, you're, most people think of their full work year. You, you take out the weekends, take out your vacation, then there's sick time, and then you add up. No, this, this is not a whole year. They get the whole summer off and have several weeks throughout the year. This is 180 days, and they're taking 18 days of sick leave. There's just not really any way to justify that, whether it's banked or you're, you're buying the time. It's just... It, it's just so foreign to what anybody else enjoys in our in our economy. Right. I mean, think about that. Think of, like, the regular workforce. Good afternoon, Dr. Lisa. I mean, there are people, and especially this time of year. I mean, a couple of weeks back, I, I had a, a cough and a cold. I actually was, was off for a day or two. But it's a day or two. This is 18, and some, and not like, a, like one or two. It's a large number of them. In, in Providence, I, I think the number was 25% are chronically absent. And it's this union. And that's why that also leads into what I want to ask you about next. And, folks, again, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. It's Our segment is Political Monday with Justin Katz, manager at OceanStateCurrent.com. Just before I get into the Providence situation, I posted this on my Facebook page, John DePietro Show on Facebook. And so you have teachers weighing in. And, and, and Justin, you know, it's just amazing. Oh, Thornton's a liar. Oh, that's not the way it works. Uh, oh, so if someone has cancer, they're not allowed to miss a day. Oh, so if someone has a baby, they can't. Like all of these patented excuses that we know have nothing to do with the bulk of it. And obviously, you know, God, my God, if someone had cancer, of course, they're going to be out extendedly. If someone there is such a thing as maternity leave, when you go inside the contract, which is posted online, um, it says 90 days. It is 90 days. And. As Thornton, you know, I, I give them credit for trying to bring it up, and they immediately start attacking the data, and that's not it, and all that. It, it's never dealing with the fact that the information they have is accurate, um, and there are people that are abusing the system. But, and final word on this, but what this comes back to to me is, you now you and I, we had spoke, I think it was 2017 when they had that latest contract that they signed and it was very contentious and the teachers were you know picketing and they're out in front and you know they have kids on the picket line and save my teacher and all this other stuff but to me this thing is never going to hit the level it should be until somebody steps in and says we're not having 90 days like this is absolute insanity um I don't care the provisions that they try to argue of, oh, you have to buy it, and then blah, blah, blah. Listen, you know, you have special circumstances if someone gets cancer. You have special circumstances if someone has to go out on maternity leave. Uh, but aside from that, I mean, I, I can't imagine in the private sector, if you had someone that was out 10 days in the course of a year, I, most people that I know in the private sector would not want to employ someone like that, let alone 18, 25. You, you're really starting to talk about, Justin Katz, 
five weeks extra vacation. I mean, that's what it really comes down to, five weeks. Um, I don't care what they object to, try to argue anything. 90 sick days out of 180, it, it has to be removed from the equation. Yeah, <laughs> and the only way to get there are through these these through some means of accountability, and and that's that's I think what's what's shock what's sort of shocking here. I mean, I'm a I'm an advocate for school choice, which means that kids can families can get some of the money that would go to their kids' education to to go somewhere else, even if it's a private school or something like that. And one of the the main features of that is it forces schools when you start to lose students to other schools that are doing better, you have to improve. You have no choice. And that's what's, what's really shocking here is at this, you've just got the kind of the metric of, of teacher absences, and it, and it affects the grade of a school district in a, in a government report somewhere. And that, trying to address even that with a little bit of accountability, I, I don't know, honestly, I don't know how you get to the point where somebody or enough people are just fed up with it and says, look, this this 90-day thing is just out of the question. We've just got to get rid of it. There's no, you know, we're gonna, you're going to get a 20% pay increase because you negotiated for this. It's got to go. That's it. And you you can do it if there's enough people looking and say, seeing the real effects of this. And it, it's just, it doesn't happen enough. Uh, and it really needs to happen more. I mean, of, of course, when you, you know, you have a teacher who gets to school and realizes she has the flu. You wanted to go home, not to, to get healthy for her own sake, but also for the kids. And all, I mean, teachers are around children who have very diverse family situations, and they might catch different illnesses that bring them to school. So you need some protection there. But as you say, nine, 90 days. I mean, there, there's got to be a better way to address that real concern that doesn't create this situation where you've got schools where teachers are out for extra, for you know up to half the school year, but in this case, all, very often like a third. A, a fifth of the school year, 20, 25 days is, as you say, multiple, four to five weeks of a, of a relatively short work year. Yeah, and not only that, the way I understand it is if you're out more than three days, then you have to get a doctor's note. But let's face it, you know, a long weekend uh, is coming up, so I'm going to put in that I'm going to take off uh, Thursday, Friday, and then the Tuesday. And so I'm going to leave Wednesday after school. And I'm going to fly to, I'll stay with Florida. And I'm going to be down there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, the long weekend. Fly back Tuesday. I go back to school on Wednesday. I don't need a doctor's note. I just took three days. And I used three of my sick days. Or maybe I do the Friday, Tuesday. Or maybe just to leave earlier. But all that stuff starts to add up after a while. Um, and people are paying for it. And, and again, Warwick, which I think is, is like just hopeless at this point. But I don't see any leadership there. The leadership I see in Warwick is they're just outgunned, outmanned, whatever's happening. The, Smith, the uh, Between the firefighters and the teachers, I mean, they're so strong and powerful. The school district just keeps falling worse and getting worse and worse. And I don't see anyone. Um, there's a couple of people stepping up, but no one that seems to have any real clout or anything. Uh, the, the next mayoral election, they need someone to fundamentally run to really change the place, or it's just, it's getting worse and worse. Folks, good afternoon. It's Sean DePietro. I speak with Justin Katz, meeting manager, OceanStateCurrent.com. You know, Justin, so Dan McGowan, who I talked to on Wednesdays of the Boston Globe, and everyone else has it now. So apparently the new education commissioner, she's finally found her person. And I don't know anything about this guy. Uh, but he was down in Florida. He was pitching some different jobs. He's going to be the new superintendent of Providence. You know, I put on Facebook, to me, you're just putting a different jockey on a dead horse. Um, I know in Florida, 
I, they, they don't have teacher union problems. Florida is one of the places that doesn't. I, I don't know what his plans are. I don't know this man. I'll probably never meet him. But what I know is nothing is going to change in the city of Providence that we all do contribute to until they start to get. I mean, the John Hopkins report mapped it out. The teachers union contract is too strong. Principals can't get rid of bad teachers. If a teacher gets caught drunk, drug problem, molesting someone, they lawyer up. They can't fire them. Um, the unions run the schools. The kids run the schools. The principals can't hire and fire who they want to. This new education commissioner in Providence, superintendent, I should say, I don't know what his background is, what his plans are. Nothing is going to matter unless he can get control of that teachers union contract in Providence. Right. Well, and, and as I say, the, the first the first part of curing a problem is, is acknowledging it or curing your illness or your addiction is acknowledging it. And I that's where I, I'm always trying to be an optimist on these things and look for where something good co- could come out of it. Um, so the, this uh, gentleman, Harrison Peters, um, from a little has been reported, he he's, has a Navy background before he went into education. He's been in Florida, which one of the ways Florida's had some real strong growth, particularly in minority communities, part of, a big part of that has been an increase in school choice options down there that really ramp up the accountability and other other mechanisms for the for the districts to improve. And so that's that's like, I think where we have to look for hope is that he'll come up here to Rhode Island and just look around and, and realize what tools he doesn't have, look at the contracts and say, this is crazy, and just be vocal about it and not back down um, and say, look, you, you want to fire me, that's fine. This is what I'm seeing coming as somebody from, from another situation that had, had much better tools to address these problems. And that could be powerful. I mean, we, we talked about how Infanta Green kind of didn't, didn't come in with the big bulldozer she needed to in order to gain the momentum to, to really make a change. So Hopefully, when this guy starts in February, uh, he'll he'll really have that you know like the old like the movie uh, was it Lean on Me where about schools at Patterson where the, the new principal came in to stop all the the violence and drugs at school. He, he held a baseball bat and said, "I am Batman." <laughs> if he comes in like that, maybe there's a chance. Uh, but I'm not gonna I mean, I'm not gonna bet my house on that possibility. I, I'll tell you that. But it, but that's where there there could be some hope. Also, um, I know that um, you're, you're exactly right. In Florida, I believe, they have a provision that you can open a charter school within a certain distance if there's a failing school. Now, they, they don't have that. As you, you and I have discussed, there's, there's huge opposition, um, huge opposition at, in, in Providence because of Alorza, because of the power of uh, the teachers' union. Um, now, listen to this. I'm seeing this right now. In real time, uh, this is, I'm just going to tweet out, uh, just bear with me, Justin, this is comical. Um, Steph Machado of Channel 12 tweeted out, noticeably absent from the Providence Superintendent announcement, Mayor Jorge Alorza, his office says he wasn't invited. Well, to me, there you go. <laughs> I mean, that tells you all you need to know. I don't know how that came about. You have Governor, I'm seeing, uh, let me just check the, the photos. Is that There's Governor Amundo there. There's uh, the new education commissioner, obviously. There's that um, 
the woman that's uh, on the board in Ramundo, and they're announcing in Providence schools and Alorza. Uh, Harrison Peters says he has one brother. He lost to gun violence. Another in prison. Education changed my life. So there he is, the new superintendent, and the mayor of Providence does not even go to the announcement. What is your reaction to that? <laughs> they, they didn't even set up an empty chair for him. I just see. Um, no. Yeah. No. no I, it's it's interesting. I, I you do have to wonder who who backed out on whom. I, you'd think they'd want to, if this were the state and Raimondo, and they'd want to put a chair for him there and, and let him come and at least be part of this. Of, of course, he's had a habit of, which we've we've applauded at times, of, of saying things at these events that didn't quite go along with the narrative that the governor wanted. Uh, so uh, I think there's probably some deeper political jockeying going on there. Uh, However that happened, I mean, the optics of that, that tells you all you need to know. I mean, he's not even bought in. He's not even engaged. He's going to be a problem. Uh, you're a new guy coming in. You're the new superintendent of the Providence Schools. I, I, I am not a defender of Alorza. How does something like this happen? I mean, you, you have the brand new superintendent. You have the education commissioner. You have the governor. And then the mayor, he claims he wasn't invited. I, I don't know. That would be an easy thing to check. Um, I, I, I don't know what to make of that. If he wasn't invited, that's a mistake. If he was invited, didn't go, it's a mistake. But either way. Uh, how did someone not reach out and be like, hey, what's going on? This is the first we're hearing of the press conference. How come we're not? I mean, something like this has to. If, if everything is about truly trying to, it's for the kids and education so important, blah, blah, blah. How the hell in a kickoff announcement like that do you not have the mayor of Providence there? Or, and how is he not there? That's just bad all the way around. And Justin, again, these they're both Democrats, right? Alorza and, and Raimondo are both Democrats. So this is the power struggle. New education commissioner, he feels shoved off to the side. Uh, that, that, this, is, this is embarrassing. This is the new superintendent, the mayor, with one of the worst school districts in the country. And the mayor of Providence doesn't even bother to show up to the announcement. I mean, you, you don't have to, you know, Helen Keller could read that one. Well, you, you would think the new superintendent would, would be kind of interested. <laughs> Why isn't the mayor here? Should we have him here? Uh, definitely with all, the, with all the PR and planning folks in, in these government offices, especially with the governor's office, uh, it doesn't seem like it's likely to be a mistake, <laughs> as you say. It, I mean, it's just obvious, and it doesn't bode well, um, unless, unless it's a sign that the state is really going to come in and, and take a swing at the power structure, including the labor unions, but that's seems to be unlikely because if anything Elors has been on a been harder with had a harder relationship with the unions than the governor has in the recent years so not a good not a good indication as a first press release for this thing no not at all and then you know this is uh I'm sure you know you you're pitching him like everybody's in this together and you know we're all in and we got to do this uh to turn everything around um I see that he did tweet as a former teacher principal Oh, Harrison Peters shares our vision to the 21st century. Um, he just tweeted that an hour ago, but but then why? I'm going to tweet at him. Then why didn't you go? Then why didn't you you attend? I mean, what what is that all about? So you're you're giving your support. There's a real easy way to, uh, but did not show up 
uh, there's a real easy way to show support, and we see it after there's a primary, and then they make the people stand next to each other, right? And it's a unity rally, and you know they, the people are they're so uncomfortable. It looks like a hostage video, and they're, they're looking at their handlers, like how soon can I get the hell out of here? But it, the whole thing is just to stand them next to them, take the photo, and boom, you know, Bernie Sanders endorsed Hillary, but to not even show up the announcement. Hey, Justin uh, Katz, what did you think of the gun rally last week? I have some thoughts on it. Um, you have, as we've talked about, there was another shooting in, in Wesley. Wesley Avi has, has a crime problem. I don't know if they have a, a gun problem. But that was um, a fantastic turnout with, um, with the Second Amendment rally last week from 4 to 7. Uh, what, what, are, what are your thoughts on that uh, Second Amendment rally, I should call it? Well, I see things like that, and I, I wonder why we don't have many more of them on many more issues. I mean, it was encouraging to see that really, really that many people coming out to, to express the point of view on a particular issue. And it, it goes it shows, it goes right to the heart of, of how strongly people feel about this idea that this is a right we have and you can't be taking it away. I saw some, some quote somewhere saying, you know, these bills are, these bills are relatively minor. And the, the advocate for the second amendment said, yeah, but you know, actually I think it might've been a representative place, um, Republican, you know, yeah, these might be minor, but you keep compromising, you keep compromising, you keep compromising, and eventually you don't have a right remaining anymore. So I, I, if our system works at all, that'll be a strong enough signal uh, that to, to the people in office that there are a lot of people care about this and you shouldn't be, you should just stop messing around with it. Of course, one of the unfortunate things is uh, <laughs> the way the politics are going, some of the stronger, more powerful advocates like the Speaker of the House are, are have, are back on their heels for other reasons, uh, which could create complications. Um, but it's 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 very encouraging when there's a line of, of people out the door of the state house to show support for an issue that that is is critical for our our civil rights. I agree, and and, and the thing missing that I don't know if this happened. Uh, it's something else going on. I couldn't attend, but to me, <clears throat> I don't believe I didn't hear this was happening. But uh, the Republican Party, if you get if you get. 500 people to an event, and this was several thousand. You have to have your team there. You have to be signing people up. I, I want to go to that if I'm a Republican Party, and I want to find out who's from Newport because I need someone that's going to run as a rep in Newport. And I, I want to find out, you know, and even address the crowd. Is there anybody here from Bristol? Is there anyone here from Pro – hey, guess what? We're going to back you. We have money. We need you to run to be a rep. Senate, whatever. To, to me, that, that has, and I, I recognize you do have some Democrats up there. Corvese, uh, Matty Yellow even has a good grade, or Jiro from NRA, but primarily, you could kind of work it. There's so many progressives and Democrats that will just go with the flow. The, to me, the only reason that makes sense is what they need to understand, and I don't know enough about who's, I know that Frank Sococcio and so forth, but it has to be that if you elect independents, or Republicans, either or, but that their loyalty would be to Constitution, Second Amendment, that will prevent any type of worry that you're going to have Raimondo and the progressives putting forth this ridiculous legislation when the state does not have a firearms problem. Yeah, well, you raise a very good point. I mean, the, the, the political, I mean, that's how our political system is supposed to work. The, the people who are running the, a party or running campaigns need to be at events like this, and they, they may have been. Uh, but I think that the, 
an even greater point. They need to be making the case to these constituencies. Here is why you have to support me. So you may you, you're here on a, in the middle of the week uh, for a rally at the state house because you care about these rights. You have to think of that when you're when you're voting or when you're deciding whether to run for office. Even though your cousin has a job at a municipality, right. and therefore everybody votes for the union people because the, the Democrat leadership of, of a union because they that's how you, you get your cousin a better deal i mean think about that when you're here I've, last week I, I also went to a an event related to school choice and of course also yellow is the color there so that's kind of easy to make the connections um and there were a number of republican representatives there and and former republican representative bob lancy even spoke uh at the event for a few minutes no mention of his party. And so, so while they did have the legislators who were there stand up, I, I think there has to be more effort to say, here's an issue that's important to you. Here's how it combines with my platform as a political actor rather than the opposition. This is, and I, I think that, that needs to be done better. On, but in, in fairness, there's, there's so little in past years and decades um, – the Republican Party and, and really the, the conservative opposition in Rhode Island has dwindled and taken so many hits that a lot of the people now, it's sort of as soon as you, for, you, you start to think, hey, maybe I should get involved. Boom, you're the chairperson. <laughs> yeah, boom, you're, you're doing, you have to go out and recruit people for this. And that's great if, you're, you, know, if you want new experiences, but it, it, it means a lot of these obvious things like let's go to this rally and sign people up are going to get missed because everybody's kind of new to it all. And there's not that infrastructure that just has that sort of muscle memory of how you're supposed to do this game. Folks, he is the managing editor, OceanStateCurrent.com. It's Justin Katz. Justin, great job as always. And we'll talk to you again. Great to talk with you, John. Talk to you next week. All right, folks, there it is. That's our segment of Political Monday. Good afternoon. There's Stuart Rusty. Uh, there's Robert. Hola, everybody on Facebook Live. Let's have some uh, thumbs up, folks. 766-1380, 766-1380. Now, from time to time, you hear me mention WNRI's Jeff Gamach just by, he was out, he's a huge Laker fan. He just happened to be out in Los Angeles, and then this thing happened with Kobe Bryant. We're going to check in with Jeff uh, coming up in the 1 o'clock hour, but I'll give you the latest on Matty Yellow. And, and also the latest on the cannabis developments, and there's a lot of them that are taking place. This portion of our program, though, is brought to you by MEGA Professionals, M-E-G-A, MEGA Professionals. Call them today, 508-336-7801, M-E-G-A, MEGA Professionals. What do they do? Staffing, if you need workers, drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, weekend work, uh, local Sleep-at-home drivers, class A, B, non-CBL. Do you have we need workhouse uh, workers or mechanics or skilled labor or office professionals or maybe people in the healthcare industry? You can depend on MEGA, M-E-G-A, MEGA professionals. Call them today, 508-336-7801. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, it's MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508 508- Three three six seven eight zero one. Phone lines are open. Seven six six thirteen eighty four zero one seven six six thirteen eighty. Developments with the Mattiello, Rhode Island State Police going after the speaker. We're going to tell you about it all next, right here on the John DePietro Show. Do you own and operate a small business, and you rely on communicating with your employees while they're out in the field? Well, if you do, this is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. This is Sal with T-Mobile for Business, and I encourage you to reach out to me today at 401-332-0000. This is a perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. Right now, we have unlimited plans with unlimited talk, text, and data. 
with no contract, great deals on iPhones and Samsungs, this is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. Stop wasting money. Call me for a free consultation at 401-332-0000. Again, 401-332-0000. Stop wasting money with your current cell phone carrier. Call me today, Sal with T-Mobile for Business, 401-332-0000. You have a business, don't forget, mega truck and trailer repair, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates, FHWA Inspections, Rhode Island State Inspection Station, Trailer Pickup and Delivery, 24-Hour Mobile Service, EBS Repairs, Brakes, Doors. If it's on a trailer, they can fix it with MEGA, M-E-G-A, Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110, MEGA, Truck and Trailer Repair. They'll help you out again. Free estimates, commercial trailers, diesel equipment. If it's on a trailer, they can fix it. M-E-G-A. Mega truck and trailer repair. 508-336-2110. I'm on the road and my ride is going strong. At Paul Massey Chevrolet, you get the lowest price guaranteed every day with Rhode Island's only true one price on our exciting lineup of Chevrolets. Paul Massey's one price plus true car equals our best price guaranteed. And it's only at Paul Massey, Rhode Island's number one Chevrolet dealer. Lease a 2020 Equinox LS front wheel drive for only $179 a month for 39 months with $29.88 due at signing. Buick GMC South is New England's number one Buick dealer and Rhode Island's number one GMC dealer. Get the lowest price anywhere. Paul Massey's one price plus true car equals our best price. Guaranteed. Lease a 2020 Terrain SLE front wheel drive for only $198 a month for 39 months with $24.88 due at signing. My Great selection, top-notch service, and the lowest one price, only at Paul Massey. Remember, if you're ever in an accident, hola, Ryan, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340, 401-272-3340, West Fountain Auto Body. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. It's West Fountain Auto Body. Remember, they're going to work for you, not their insurance company. If you ever find yourself in an accident, pick up the phone. And call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. It's Kenny Patricia. They're going to fix, repair your vehicle, showroom-like condition. Now, you have people on the road that are driving because they're high or they are intoxicated or illegals or just bad drivers or snow and ice. Boom, suddenly you're in an accident. Call West Fountain. Hello there, Rob Bennett. 272-3340 for West Fountain Auto Body. You are listening to the John DePietro Show on 99.9 FM and 1380 AM. News Talk WNRI. All right, folks, and we're back on this Monday. We're going to go live out to Los Angeles uh, coming up in the 1 o'clock hour. Uh, folks, 766-1380 is our phone number. Again, uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, good afternoon, I should say. It's John DePietro. Remember, if you ever miss any portion of the program, you can go to my website, depetro.com. You click on... You click on podcasts, and then everything is right there, and you can listen to it. And a lot of people are, in fact, 
uh, taking advantage of that as we have that posted. So maybe you said, hey, you know, I want to go back and listen to something that Tim Dodd said or that Donna Perry said or that Justin Katz just said. Uh, we'll have that all posted a little bit uh, later. And it's um, becoming wildly, wildly popular, the amount of people that then go back and listen to different parts of the, uh, the program. Folks, in regards to now, I am hearing tomorrow there's supposed to be two bills Two cannabis bills that are supposed to be at the state house, one in the House and one in the Senate. I am hearing that there is something the Senate may pull their cannabis bill. Now, the reason why this is significant is that Mattiello, the Mattiello crime family, if you read DePetro.com, you'll see exactly the story. Is the FBI investigating his connection to a cannabis operation? You can read all about it. The answer is yes. And... What is going on right now is the state police are investigating Mattiello on charges of extortion regards to his dealings with the convention center. Now, I also notice, boy, Ed Acorn is taking a beating on social media because of that terrible, terrible. I, I normally read the journal editorials and I talk about how they're right on the money and I like to use the word scathing and uh, how they're just terrific. Terrible terrible um, audit uh, editorial that the Providence Journal put out. But even the uh, Republicans that would normally, you know, be going on, being on the same side as him are questioning that wh- why would you try to go along with these Mattiello talking points? As uh, Representative Mike, Mike Chippendale tweeted out, maybe they should look to a partner slogan for guidance. Democracy dies in darkness. Maybe it should be embraced by the local paper rather than rejected. So th- this was not done to try to get to the bottom of something. This, this was done as retribution. As Brian Newberry put out, this is really terrible auditorium on so many levels. Reflects unawareness of the blindness towards what actually happened. Has to do with the convention center. They, they should be audited extensively. But all right. The Power Hour is next. We're going to take your phone calls. Plus, we're going to go live to Los Angeles. Right now, let's get an update with the uh, 1 o'clock news.